You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing some of the latest transfer rumours going around with regards to the mighty Arsenal. We're going to be discussing the future of Real Madrid striker Luka Jovic, whom Arsenal are credited with having an interest in. We're also going to be talking about William Saliba's future, as well as a familiar face who could be returning to the Emirates if these reports are to be believed. Plenty to get into on this edition of the show. And of course, as always, we're going to be dipping in and out of the chat box to get some of your thoughts and your questions on the topics we're discussing. Uh, Big hello to everybody who's watching us live at the moment. Hope you're good. Hope you're well. it's gone dark already. It's it's four thirty p.m. here in London, and it's dark. Um, it, it's the it's a sign that winter is well and truly here. It's a little bit depressing, isn't it? Uh, but hopefully, we'll keep your spirits up with the live podcasts coming to you throughout the week. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button. That really, really does help us, especially on YouTube. If you're listening via the audio platforms, then leave us a review. That's what we're after. Uh, it really, really does help. So please do get involved in that department as well. But let's kick off with the main story. And the main story is with regards to Real Madrid's Luka Jovic. Now, Luka Jovic is said to be a transfer target for the Gunners as early as January. Now, according to reports, Arsenal are inquiring or have inquired or will be inquiring. It doesn't really specify at what stage exactly this is at, but it does say that Arsenal are interested in taking Luka Jovic on loan with an option to purchase the player at the end of it. Now, Luka Jovic is well out of favour at Real Madrid. There's no doubt about that. He was signed for 60 million euros from Eintracht Frankfurt and then sent straight back out on loan um, because of a lack of game time at the Santiago Bernabeu. Um, He thought he'd get his chance at the weekend, actually, because Karim Benzema was rested. But unfortunately for Luka Jovic, Mariano Diaz was selected in front of him. He was preferred to Jovic, which is a bit of a telltale sign as to the feeling about Jovic, sorry, uh, at Real Madrid at the moment. It suggests that he's nowhere near the top of the pecking order. And you can understand why he may himself feel like a move is the best thing. Add to that that Real Madrid are quite open to the idea of moving Luka Jovic, uh, Jovic on. They want to bring in Kylian Mbappe. We know that. We know they made a huge bid for Kylian Mbappe at the back end of the last window. And we know that they're likely uh, to get him in the summer. So, you know, clearing people like Jovic out of the squad, off the wage bill, is probably something that appeals to Real Madrid at this stage. And you've also got to think, Arsenal have a really, really strong relationship with Real Madrid in recent times when it comes to transfers. So there's no reason why they might not consider, or or there's no reason why they won't at least, I should say, consider our offer or proposal, which is said to be an initial loan with the option to buy him at the end of it. Now, what do we know about Luka Jovic? Well, we know that Luka Jovic was 
regarded as one of the hottest properties in European football until he joined Real Madrid. And that's not exactly a sign that Luka Jovic is is overrated or that Luka Jovic isn't a good footballer. Many a players have gone to Real Madrid over the years and just found themselves struggling, just haven't settled in. It's such a huge club with such high expectations. Um, and, and I just don't think it's the place for everybody. And if we look at Luka Jovic's sort of statistics as a striker, obviously 23 years old, uh, Serbian international. 23 years old is perfect, isn't it, for the age profile that Arsenal seem to be looking at when dipping into the transfer market lately. It fits in with the idea of kind of, uh, you know, building this young squad and building this new core. And with Alexander Lacazette likely to leave in the summer, this feels like if Arsenal were to do this deal, Arsenal preparing for the departure of Alexander Lacazette and preparing for life after the Frenchman. Now, admittedly, I don't watch a lot of La Liga, right? I don't watch a lot of the Bundesliga either. So I wouldn't have had a lot of kind of knowledge of Luka Jovic prior to doing a bit of research today. I know that he's very talked about. I know that he's somebody who was regarded as a really big prospect. I know that it hasn't necessarily gone his way, but just like with a number of players over the years, I think sometimes when you go somewhere and it doesn't work, if you're assessing that player, you kind of need to put that to one side because it didn't work at Real Madrid because he's not better than Karim Benzema, who's probably one of the best centre forwards in the world. It doesn't mean that he's a bad player and it doesn't mean that he doesn't improve Arsenal and it doesn't mean we shouldn't go after him. So in terms of his goal record, prior to joining Real Madrid. Well, it's pretty impressive. He started out at Red Star Belgrade, um, where he managed 13 goals in 48 games. Okay, that's a little bit iffy. It's one in four, pretty much. But he was a very, very young man there. And then, of course, he went to Eintracht Frankfurt. Now, this is where Luka Jovic really started to make an impact. Playing in the Bundesliga, he managed 40 goals in 93 appearances. So that's around about one in two, just slightly less of a ratio than one in two. Uh, But in that, he also added 10 assists. So that's 50 direct goal contributions in 93 games. So it's a direct goal contribution every couple of games. And that's something that's a lot more impressive. You know, you're, you're talking about the disparity as well between, you know, playing at Red Star Belgrade and then playing at Eintracht Frankfurt, obviously the league in Germany is a lot stronger and you have to think about that. And and as Sam Tonks points out in the chat, Jovic at Frankfurt cannot be overlooked. He was a machine in their Europa League run, could be prolific in our system with Emil Smith-Rowe, Odegaard and Saka behind him. So, yeah, you know, lots of lots of positive things being said in the chat about him. Jim says, uh, Jovic reminds me a lot of Laka, but with better pace and finishing. And, and that's exactly it. I mean, as I say, done a bit of research on on Jovic today, and and from what I watched, he does look very much like Lacazette in a lot of ways, in the sense of he's quite happy with dropping off into the deeper positions and using his body to hold the ball up and to bring other people into the game. He's also quite good in the air. From the highlights reels that I was watching, he seems to get on the end of a lot of crosses, and that's quite striking because he's not a big guy. He's not a large guy. He's not someone who you look at and think is very physically imposing, not height-wise anyway, but he is quite stocky. He does look very strong. He looks really sharp. And I think he fits 
especially if we're going to continue with this two up front as that kind of second striker. I really do. I think he's somebody that we should at least look at. Now, the experts will tell you more. And Arsenal, you'd hope, would have done a lot more extensive scouting than I've done this afternoon. But the point I'm trying to make is this is not an outrageous link. Okay, this is a young striker who has proven that he can score goals in one of Europe's top leagues. He's having a bit of a rough ride of it at Real Madrid, but is available could be available on a permanent deal for as little as 25 million euros, which is around about 20 million pounds. And Arsenal feel that given their strong relationship with Real Madrid, that they can talk Real Madrid into potentially allowing the player to join us initially on loan. Now, that is a that is a that is a big thing. I think that not to say that we should always go and buy our players from Real Madrid, but when you've got a good relationship with a club, and, and Real Madrid have seen over the years, you know, it was, there's been lots. If you think back to, you know, even Wenger days, Julio Baptista, then we gave Jose Reyes the other way. And then you look at, you know, more recently, Danny Ceballos, Martin Odegaard, et cetera, et cetera. There's obviously, um, you know, there's obviously a, a good standing relationship there. And Arsenal should look to cash in on that if they feel that the player that is in question here, which is, of course, uh, Luka Jovic is the right fit for us. And I, and I think Luka Jovic has a lot going for him, a lot that suggests that he would be right for Mikel Arteta's system. We know he's got a high ceiling and we know that, um, you know, he can play in a, in a specific role that appeals to Mikel Arteta. Now, also, I talked about him being kind of, so Jim made the point in the chat about him being a bit like Lacazette and being quite similar in the way that he plays. And I watched those highlights and I watched those clips and, and that was kind of the first thing that jumped out of me. But I'm reassured to see that if you go over to SofaScore, um, which gives you a really good comprehensive profile of players, I think it's a fantastic website. I've got to be honest, I, I never really knew about it um, until very recently. I was one of those transfer mark guys and sometimes I'd go on who scored for, for some stats as well. But I'm just sharing this on the screen now. If you go over to SofaScore, which is a brilliant website, it's fantastic, you get a really kind of comprehensive profile of the guy. So it tells you, you know, 23 years old, marked here as two-footed, which is obviously good. I'm not sure there are many players that are completely naturally two-footed, but the fact that he's quite confident on both sides is obviously a positive. I think for me, I don't think there's anything more difficult to defend against than a player that can go either way. Uh, you know, I think that's really something. And, and if you've got that in your locker, it stands you obviously in great stead. Um, you look at his heat map here and you can see it on the screen right now. His heat map suggests that he does drop into those Lacazette-like positions. And, and that means for me that he fits into what it is we're trying to do. He feels like a like-for-like -like replacement. And if indeed Arsenal have identified this guy as a potential signing, then clearly that's what Mikel Arteta and Arsenal are thinking about. He would be a much younger version of Alexander Lacazette in the way he plays and has the potential to get better and better and better. Plus, when you think about it, 25 million euros, if that's what we go on to sign him for, is a, is, a, is a nominal fee nowadays, right? It's not a big deal to spend 25 million euros on a striker. It's not a big deal at all. So it feels like a bit of a no-brainer if indeed this is something that can be done. Also, you know, I talked about him being a bit Lacazette-like and I talked about that jumping out at me, reassured to see that some of you in the chat that have seen a bit more of him feel the same. 
But if you just have a look here on Sofa Score, this reassured me when I went onto the site and the first thing I saw was strengths, anchor play. That felt to me like, yeah, it was kind of backing up what I'd seen and backing up what my eyes were telling me. So um, good to know that that's something that Luka Jovic is, is quite widely regarded for. Um, you know, I'm not going to go too much into the stats on Luka Jovic because he hasn't played a lot of football for Real Madrid this season. And it feels, um, you know, it feels unfair to really read into those as a result of it. Um, just sort of further confirmation further down that uh, he's equally adept playing with either foot. So, you know, that's that's obviously a massive positive. So, yeah, I, I think this is somebody that I could get behind the idea of signing. Like, honestly, I think it, it would be a really, really good deal um, if we could do it. And I'd be interested, especially if we can get him to come in on loan first. That would be great, wouldn't it? To have a good look at him and then decide um, how to proceed forward, how to move forward with it, if indeed we want to. Another story uh, involving Real Madrid, and I want to just quickly get this one out there because I don't know how much or how reliable this one is, but I wanted to get it out there while we're on the subject of Real Madrid, is the links with Danny Ceballos. Now, of course, Danny Ceballos is being heavily linked with a move back to Arsenal again. Now, I would suggest that the fact Arsenal decided not to sign him previously and that he you know, repeatedly said that he wanted to go back to Real Madrid, it feels to me like this is a bit of a no-go. Um, like this is one that probably isn't going to happen and, and probably shouldn't happen if I'm being quite honest. You know, there were there were games where I looked at Danny Ceballos and I felt like he he did really well and he brought us something different, a bit of energy, a bit of zip um, in the midfield, a bit of tempo. But there were games where I thought he was awful and it was always very hot and cold with Danny Ceballos. And I think that's probably why Real Madrid have also been reluctant um, or reluctant, I should say, to kind of give him more game time, the game time that he wants. Now, remember, he hasn't played yet this season as well. Danny Sabas is out with an ankle injury, um, which doesn't bode well. So there's not even any kind of current form to go by when it comes to the Spaniard. But I agree with this comment from Sam in the chat. I think this is absolutely spot on. I did like Sabas, he says, but that Europa League run last season was an absolute shit show. Oh, mate. I felt at times, Sam, that he was single-handedly trying to get us dumped out of the Europa League with some of the passes, some of the kind of kamikaze moments that he um, he produced. But look, player that blows hot and cold, and I know that there are a lot of players out there that do that, and especially younger players. And I keep talking about Arsenal maybe potentially falling a little bit short of where we want to be this season as a result of some of those younger players potentially struggling with consistency over the course of the season. But Danny Sabas is 25 years old. And if you haven't got that level of consistency or found a way in which to kind of perform at a, a, a minimum standard week in, week out at that point in your career, then I think it's a problem. And I don't think he's a top quality player. And I think for me, I've talked about it before. We we spent a lot of money in the summer. We did a lot of signings, made a lot of signings. Six signings, I think it was off the top of my head, six signings coming in and all the players that we've moved out over the last couple of years, it's a pretty big turnover. And I feel like the, the heavy lifting in terms of the turnover has been done. So now it's about identifying, I think, one or two targets every summer that you feel would significantly improve your team or are absolutely the right fit. I don't think it's about going and bringing in another six players next summer and then another six after that. I feel like that heavy lifting part has been done. And now it's about refining our search a little bit more, being a little bit more picky, being a little bit more fussy and identifying players that we believe 
will, you know, you can't guarantee anything in football, but that that will be as close to a guarantee can be that they come in and, and, you know, they're the right fit. So not for me, not interested in that, but there are reports going around about Sabayos. So uh, just to give you a heads up that you probably read some of that over the coming days. Um, Just finally on this episode, before I take a couple of your questions and we wrap it up, I wanted to talk a little bit about William Saliba. Now, of course, he's been receiving lots and lots of praise, lots of plaudits for his performances over in France with Marseille. And there's been a lot of talk and speculation around what the future holds for William Saliba. And I've come on here before and said that I do worry and wonder if the damage that was done off the back of Arsenal failing to register him, off the back of Arsenal kind of snubbing him, if you like, uh, you know, and and the damage caused to the relationship between him and Mikel Arteta. And I, I guess Edu to a degree as well. I do wonder if William Saliba would ever have, or I did wonder if he'd ever have the appetite to say, nope, I'm going to come back to Arsenal. I'm going to dig I'm going to dig in, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to force my way into the side and I'm going to show Arsenal that they made a mistake in allowing me to go and that I am as good as Ben White and that I am as good as uh, Gabriel. I've also talked about how I think if he does come back and does perform to a good level and continues in his upward trajectory, that we're in a really great place when it comes to centre-backs. You can then potentially move on. Pablo Mari, let's say. Um, and then you're, you know, you're left with... White, Gabriel, Saliba, and then for argument's sake, Rob Holding, if indeed he's still at the club. But the the point stands, like you can move out one of these centre-halves that you don't really feel has a future and you feel is just there at the minute for cover in order to accommodate him. If we're back in Europe as well, which hopefully we will be, there'll be a lot more game time. That game time can be spread across the defenders. But the, the recent reports and the latest reports are stating and telling us from France that William Saliba is keen, and the term they used is keen, to return to Arsenal and prove himself. Now, that's encouraging for me because I think had he decided that he didn't want to come back to Arsenal, a lot of people would have said, well, I don't blame him. The way he was treated was appalling. I don't blame him for not coming, wanting to come back to Arsenal. But I would say that actually Arsenal's as big a club as William Saliba is going to play for at this point in his career. And so if he was to kind of hold the 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 previous against Mikel Arteta and against Edu, even in the, even in though, or even though, sorry, in the end, this loan move seems to have been a really, really good thing for him. That would show an immaturity and maybe a type of attitude that I'm not necessarily keen on. I think for me, William Saliba might have been upset at the time and frustrated at the time by how it was handled. And I've said repeatedly, the club deserved plenty of criticism for the way in which they dealt with that situation. To not register him, but to not get him out on loan as well was was appalling. But ultimately, you know, perhaps not by judgment and more by luck, this loan has done him good. It's done him the world of good. And I expect him to come back a much better player. And I think William Saliba, if he's mature and he's, you know, he's got his head screwed on and and I've got no reason to believe he hasn't, then he will, he will probably look back and say, yeah, I didn't like it at the time, but it was the right call. I mean, we've all had moments like that, right? We've all had moments where our parents have told us to do something or made us do something that we didn't want to do. And then when we've got a bit older, we've looked back on it and gone, oh yeah, actually, you know, I hated it at the time, but it was the right thing. 
prime example for me was when I used to get sent to Greek school. I mean, who wants to give up their weekends or their Wednesday nights to go to Greek school, more school, additional school? But I'm glad I can speak the language. I'm glad I can read and write the language. It's really important to me now, but I didn't see it at the time. And this is kind of a similar situation where William Saliba at the time wouldn't have been happy and, and rightfully so. But now I think as he sees himself developing and, and his stock rising and his confidence building, I think when he comes back to Arsenal, being a much better space uh, from which he can compete, fight, battle and try and force his way into the team. So, yeah, I think that's obviously encouraging to hear that Saliba's mind is is on his return to Arsenal. And I think that, you know, we could potentially be adding another really, really uh, strong central defender to our ranks and another really, really strong defender, um, you know, to, to the team and to the squad. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it, people want everything now. You know, we spent 27 odd million on William Saliba. And we wanted him to perform now. We wanted him to walk into the team now. We we knew that there was a need for centre-backs. I think one of the reasons a lot of us were surprised he was going out on loan this summer was because we didn't foresee Arsenal spending £50 million on Ben White. I've got to say that. You know, if you had asked me at the end of last season what I thought Arsenal's priorities were, I thought that they would bring in a centre-back because David Luiz was leaving. Um but I didn't think that they would. Um, I didn't think that they would go out and bring in a nailed-on starting centre back um, who they're potentially going to build a lot of the team around. So that was why I, I guess I felt that way. But you know, you can never have too many good players. We know that the the modern game is incredibly demanding physically. Um, it feels like football is gearing itself up to there being more and more and more football matches, whether that be with the World Cup being played every couple of years, whether that be with Super Leagues and God knows what else. The fact that they've sanctioned the five subs or IFAB have um, sanctioned the, the the five subs thing moving forward um, suggests that they're kind of preparing for that as well. So I think there'll be plenty of time and, and plenty of opportunities for the likes of Saliba to, to make his mark at Arsenal. And, and I'm delighted that seemingly, at least, and these are just reports, I have to stress that, but seemingly, at least, his head's in the right place and he's looking forward to returning. So that concludes uh, the transfer stories uh, that I just wanted to bring to your attention and, of course, share my thoughts on. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you get involved. Um, it's really, really important that you do that. It helps the channel immensely. Um, make sure you're subscribed as well if you haven't done so already. Look, there's 161 of you on the YouTube stream right at this moment in time, but we've only got 45 likes on the board. There's no reason why we shouldn't have 100 by the time we wrap up this stream. Get your questions in the chat box. I'm going to take a couple of questions before we wrap it up for the last five minutes or so. Don't forget, if you want to become a member as well, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. It really does help. Uh, where are we? Uh, Tabris says, uh, Harry, so much content today. I can only take so much of you. It's only this one and one other. Um, but uh, yeah, look, work situation has changed a little bit. Um, obviously, I was working from home during the lockdown, during the pandemic, and it was really easy for me to um, to just pause in my day and bring you a couple of bits of content at various points. Now that things are starting to get slightly back towards normal, I know it's not completely normal yet, 
but it means that I am sometimes out and about. And it's why uh, sometimes there will be lunchtime streams that I miss uh, as a result of that, as a consequence of that. Um, like, for example, on Thursday, where I'd normally bring you a couple of shows, I am out on a shoot, which means that I won't be able to bring you one during the day. I'll bring you one in the evening, but just the one. So I'm trying to make up for them on the days where I am home um, and, and, and in the studio here. Uh, so that the the level of content doesn't drop because that's really, really important to me. Uh, right, let's uh, go back to the chat box. Uh, Jean-René says, I think Saliba also wanted and needed the game time. So I think the decision for the loan this season was done in good faith on both ends. Interesting. I think he wanted it this season because he realised he wasn't going to play. But I think he was really pissed off about it last time, um, last time around when he ended up going to Nice because, of course, he spent the first half of that season not registered. Um, so, yeah, a uh, really nice question. This from Omar is how's the little one getting on and how have you found parenting a newborn so far? I've got to be honest, I've not been anywhere near as hands on this time as I was the first time around. But that's because I've been so mad busy with work. Um, having two is challenging, though. It really, really is. The lack of sleep is catching up on me. I seem to keep myself going for a while and then I hit brick walls and I crash. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, let's see uh, what else we've got. Alex says, after watching Wolves last night, are you expecting a harder test against them in December? The most might be. I've been really impressed by Wolves every time I've seen them. I think I put a tweet out yesterday um, during their game against Everton where I said, every time I've watched Wolves under Bruno Large, I've been incredibly impressed by their kind of attacking um, you know, fluency, the way they fly forward with no regard really for for what they're doing defensively. And I think, I think, well, no regard is unfair, but because that would suggest that Bruno Large doesn't coach the team probably. But what I mean is they attack with a lot of freedom. And I think that they're going to cause a lot of people a lot of problems this season. Um, I'm, I'm quite pleased for Wolves because I'm not, not a Wolves fan or anything, but of course they had Nuno and Nuno did an incredible job at Wolves, right? People criticised him for last season. But prior to that, two seventh place finishes for Wolves, given they'd only just come into the division, was was incredible. That was some achievement. And then they had a second, uh, a third season, which was a little bit weaker. I think they finished in 13th or 14th, which obviously wasn't anywhere near the drop zone, but it wasn't anywhere near good enough either. And I think Bruno Lars has just come in and freshened things up a bit. He's brought in a couple of really decent players as well. that I like the look of Raul Jimenez coming back is a massive blow, uh, blow, massive advantage for them as well and a massive um, boost. So that's obviously made quite the difference. But I think it will be a tough test. Look, I think the Premier League is full of tough tests. I think that there's always the potential of you dropping points in any Premier League game. And we've seen over the last week, you know, Brighton went to Anfield. Nobody gave them a hope in hell. They got a draw. Crystal Palace went to Manchester City. Nobody gave them a hope in hell. They came away with all three points. So there's lots and lots of surprises and there's going to be lots of twists and lots of turns. And that's why I keep saying you've got to enjoy it when your team perform and your team win in this division because it's a tough, bloody division. And as a consequence of that, when you do drop points here and there, you can't be going crazy. You can't be so reactionary off the back of one or two fixtures. It is a tough league. It is a tough competition. And I, I know I've gone around the houses a bit, but I do expect um, Wolves to, to pose a real test uh, when we come up against them. Uh, Chris Mossing says, uh, is Rafa the new Mourinho? Interesting, because obviously Everton under Rafa Benitez 
um, are struggling at the moment. They've lost three on the bounce. Um, of course, they lost last night to Wolves. They got battered at home by Watford 5-2. And of course, they lost at home prior to that to West Ham United. So I'm not going to say he's the new Mourinho, but I think what you are seeing in football now is a a shift again in terms of how the game is being played um, and what the most effective way of playing it is. I think when you look at some of the, you know, you look at Tuchel, you look at Guardiola, you look at Klopp, that while they don't all play the same way, there is some similarities. And I think the the kind of key similarity, especially between Klopp and Guardiola, is the intensity with which their teams play, is that they want to dominate and control football matches. Thomas Tuchel slightly different in that it's all about defensive solidarity, creating that platform from which you can then move forward and build. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is the likes of Mourinho, the likes of Rafa Benitez, the likes of Carlo Ancelotti is another one. Their methods are no longer, I'm not going to say valid, but they're no longer the premium methods. They're no longer the fashionable methods and they're no longer the methods that get the most results in the modern day. I, I think that's fair to say. Equally though, you know what you're going to get from these guys, right? If I was in a relegation battle, I would hire Rafa Benitez because I know he would bring me a certain stability, a certain level of stability that some of the modern day managers or more modern day managers can't do. So there are pluses and and, and you know, negatives to that, of course. But I think Rafa is um, is having a hard time. And I think they started the season really well. And now it's just levelling out a little bit. I don't think this Everton side are going to struggle necessarily. But being in, in the top 10 is probably as much as they can hope for. I mean, they've done some business in the summer, which didn't look great on paper. You know, Solomon Rondon and people like that. And then I know he bought Andros Townsend in, who started the season really well. But then he bought in... Damari Graves done okay as well, but none of that business necessarily indicated to me that Everton were ready to finish in the top six. Everton always seemed to be busy in transfer windows, but never seemed to reap the rewards from that or the benefits from that. Um, so yeah, look, I, I think Everton will be around about mid-table this season, but it's where I expected them to be anyway. So I'm not shocked by it. I'm not going to go as far as calling him the new Mourinho because I think Rafa's a lot more likable than Mourinho. Uh, but I get what the point stands in terms of the style of management. I think we're seeing a shift. I think we're seeing, um, you know, a new, a new era, a new dawn, maybe. I don't know what you want to call it, but I think we're seeing different philosophies kind of returning to the forefront of our game or, or pushing their way to the front of our game. And some of the older stuff and some of the older methods are just getting a little bit left behind. And look, that happened to Wenger as well. It happens to all the top coaches because the game moves on. You can't possibly stay relevant for that long, I don't think, anyway. Um, you know, people will argue Sir Alex Ferguson did that, but I would argue that he kept changing his assistance because he needed somebody to keep him fresh, to keep his ideas fresh and to help him manage those transitions and those um, those advancements that he needed to make in order to stay at the top. So, yeah, um, it's um, it's a great point, but I, I'm not going to go as far, Chris, as saying he's the new Mourinho. I don't think Rafa would like me for that. And I've always loved Rafa slyly for when he did that rant against Manchester United, when he pulled out that piece of paper and spoke about Sir Alex Ferguson and basically said what every Arsenal fan had been thinking 
for the last sort of 10 years prior to that. If you haven't checked it out, Google it. If you're too young to remember it, Google it. When Rafa Benitez was manager of Liverpool, he had a rant about Sir Alex Ferguson. Type in Rafa Benitez rant and type in facts. Because that's what he talked about, the facts. Brilliant. It is oh, fantastic stuff. Right, we are going to leave it there. Um, good to chat to you all as always. Um, just to summarise, Luka Jovic is said to be a transfer target for the Gunners. Arsenal rumoured to want to take the Serbian striker on loan uh, with an option to purchase the player. It's understood that Real Madrid would be looking for around about 25 million euros. Danny Ceballos is also being linked with a return to Emirates Stadium. However, I think that is incredibly unlikely given he's yet to play a game this season through injury. And of course, William Saliba has uh, has indicated to sources, and again, we don't know who those sources are, but this, we're just taking it from the reports that are doing the rounds, that he is fully focused, and I quote, keen on returning to Arsenal, fighting for his place and proving himself to Mikel Arteta, which is also good to hear. We're going to be back very, very soon tomorrow, in fact, with more or later today, if you're listening via the audio, with more Arsenal-related content. Until next time, take care of yourselves and stay safe. All the best. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.